Welcome to the Freelancer's Guide to Life and Business. This is Emily Leach, your host. This podcast is about real people running successful freelance businesses and living a full life. It's about sharing those actions and strategies that these people used to overcome challenges that could have stopped them in their tracks. It's about how you can pull from these lessons to navigate your own challenges and come out the other side quicker. Being stronger together means sharing our stories that are full of meaningful nuggets to help you get more out of your freelance business. So let's get on with the show. Let's just jump right in and get to all the good stuff and talk with Joan Herman. Thank you so much for coming out and being with us today and allowing us to learn from some of the lessons that you've had to encounter over time. Oh, Emily, thank you so much for having me. This will be fun. Yeah, I really love talking about freelancing. And I love that we have one thing in common that we were both kind of stay at home moms and we kind of decided to move through into a different direction and use freelancing to kind of get us there. So for you, what was that catalyst? What was the thing that really said, hey, I want to do something different and move forward into freelancing to make that happen? Well, as you just said, I had spent 17 years as a stay at home mom and I had left a corporate PR job. And well, actually, let me back up a little bit. I was doing corporate PR. And then I left that company and went to a smaller publishing house where I had worked my way up to an executive editor position. And then when I got pregnant with my first son, I decided to be a stay-at-home mom. It was something that I had always been groomed to do as a, you know, a good Italian girl. That was my grooming. And so I fulfilled everything that I was destined to be. I got married, had two children, devoted all of my time to my two sons and my husband. And what had happened 17 years later, I had realized that in that process, I lost myself. And it became very important to me to reclaim the person that I was. And so I had this little moment where I was looking in a mirror and I had no idea who was looking back. And it was at that time I had what I call my crazy idea. And I thought, you know, that I wanted to start a radio show which you want to talk about all kinds of crazy. I was 43 (laughs) years old, no radio experience, nothing. You know, I did PR, but it was corporate PR. I was doing newsletters and, you know, annual reports. It was nothing like radio. But I had this idea that I would be a conduit of information that would connect women in particular who needed the answers that I needed with people that had those answers. And so I started to do this work in my mind. It was all about change. And I knew that I needed to get my head in the game, change my attitude if I was going to change my life. And that's where I came up with the brand, Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. And so this was early 2009. And so I had this idea for a radio show. And for whatever reason, I ran with it. But what had happened while I was in the process of reclaiming who I was as a person, I was changing the dynamics of my marriage. And my husband was resistant. He wasn't happy with it. And we started to have some issues within our marriage. But I kept going forward. I incorporated a communications company. I had never done anything like that before. I started my first LLC against everyone's wishes. I mean, my husband told me that I was making a fool of myself. People were laughing at me, but I did it anyway. And then I created a radio show and I got it on the air on a small station in New Jersey. And I just started running with this. And it was called Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Well, my marriage is starting to fall apart. And then what had happened, the February, I started the show in July of 2009. That February of 2010, quite literally in one weekend, on the Friday, my sister was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And on the Saturday, 
my mom had a stroke, and I'd already lost my father and brother. So that was my remaining original nuclear family. And so the next six months, my mom is actively dying. My sister's battling her cancer. My marriage is falling apart. That August of 2010, on the 15th, my mom died. Two weeks later, my son left for college. That December, my husband moved out. That January, my sister passed away. So my freelance business started with a crazy idea, but then it became a necessity because I had to make it work because yeah. I now was a single mother and a, you know, a single woman again with no family to depend on. So that's really where my company and the brand came from. That's the story. That's an amazing story. Congratulations, by the way, for taking some bold Thank moves. Because, man, those aren't hard. They're just really, really hard. And I had no idea, you know, what was to come. The irony of it is I started this brand, Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, having no idea that I was going to go through changes that were life-altering. I mean, quite literally, I wasn't sure I would survive. I had thought about, you know, maybe not being here. And I thought about that a lot. And it wasn't that I wanted to die. It was just I saw no way for me to go forward. I didn't yep. see a future. I didn't see a way to support myself or my kids. And I, you know, I didn't know how to be alone. So yes, it's great. And you're congratulating that, but it also became a necessity for me. Yeah. But there still takes courage to move through that. And, yes. you know, I can definitely relate to, I have those moments sometimes at the conference where it just feels so big that I don't know how to move forward. You know, sometimes I get stymied by, I'm afraid of making a mistake. And I have those moments where it's like, man, I kind of just don't want to be here anymore because I can't figure this out. And I know it's temporary mm -hmm. and I, I don't really mean anything by it other than I call it disappear. I want to disappear. Maybe right. just for an hour or two, but I just kind of wish I could go radio silent and nobody know I was here for just a little while. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. And, you know, what I've learned is it quite literally is putting one step in front of the other, baby step. People think that you start a business or you start a company and overnight it's this success, but right. it's not. It is perseverance. It is no excuses. It is just, you know, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And once you understand that, you do what you need to do. So where did you find the strength, the courage to move through that really hard spot of, you know, like you said, I had days where I didn't want to be here and nobody to support me. What happened for me is in a way I was blessed because when I started doing the radio show and I also then launched a magazine and I'll talk about that in a moment, okay. I was interviewing people that were leaders in the world. They're writing the books and Everything that I was doing was around the premise that we are the sum of the mind, body, soul, and spirit. So it was my objective to connect those dots. So one week I might have a Joel Osteen on the show, and then the next I might have a Dr. Christian Northrup, and then I might have a Don McGill Ruiz. And so it was all of the people that were writing the books and forcing me because I was prepping for these interviews. I read the books. I did the work. And so I became the greatest student of the work I was trying to put out there. If I did a show with David Kessler about grief, I knew what to ask because I was grieving. If I did a show about business, I knew what to ask because I was building a business. Everything I did was really to teach me. And then by extension, I ended up teaching my audience. So I started doing the work. That's the number one thing. I started to really understand myself because until I knew who I was and what I was capable of, 
it would always seem challenging to me. So I always tell people to, you know, I use the change acronym because my work is all around change, that the C is to get clarity about who you are and what your situation is. And so that's what I really needed to do. I needed to assess where I was and where I wanted to go. And then I use the H, which is to have a plan. And so it's great to know where you want to go, but how are you going to get there? And so I started to develop a plan of action for that. And then probably in my case, and it sounds like you went through the same thing, the A is to ask yourself, why not you? It's to believe in yourself. Why not me? Why can't I be the one that does it? And then the N is no negativity. So I had to get rid of all of the negative voices, mine and the external, my husband telling me I'm crazy, I'm foolish, and so Mm -hmm. forth. And then the G is to take action, go for it. Because without that, the other parts really are of no use if you're not going to do anything with it. And then probably the most important thing I would say is the E, because that is the educate yourself. When I started this, I didn't know anything about radio, except for the fact that I knew how to turn it on and I liked music. I mean, that was it. But I became a sponge. I would ask a million questions to the engineers at the radio station. And, you know, before long, I knew how to audio edit. I knew how to work a board. And it was really just a matter of asking questions, being a sponge, and being willing to learn. So I know I just said a lot, but that's pretty much how I did it. But that was amazing. Thank you so much. I mean, that's what I really wanted um you know, the audience to kind of get a feel for out of talking with you. There is more to what we're doing in our freelance business. We're providing a service, which is what most freelance business owners are doing. There's more than just knowing how to do the craft. There's a lot around that. You know, in your case, you know, you just talked about in your craft is learning how to do the board and the editing and knowing all of it. And before it sounds like before you do talk to any of your interviewees, you get in their shoes a little bit. You understand Mm -hmm. where they're at, where they're coming from and I don't know if I want to say you mold yourself around them, but you're definitely prepared. Well, and you have to know how to present yourself or, you know, even use the word sell. And I know people don't like that, but if you can be the best writer, the best, any freelance service that you offer, if you don't have clients or someone, you know, buying your story or your article, then you're not in business. I mean, somebody had said to me, I was working with a doctor once and she said, I wish I could just practice medicine. I spend so much time marketing and selling my practice that I wish I could just be a doctor. But the reality is, unless you're marketing and selling your product or service, you're not in business. And so Mm -hmm. I had to figure out a way from day one how to make money. And, you know, I had to sell sponsorship and I had to sell, you know, different types of advertising programs. I said I started a digital magazine. In the beginning, I was selling everything, the ads, the radio time, all of it. And I, like pretty much everyone else, hate doing that. I can sell you (laughs) and your services, but I don't like selling myself. But the reality is, until you can do that, you know, that's really half the battle. If you can confidently go out there, and I actually don't sell. I talk about the product, and it really does sell itself. And when you can get comfortable doing that, It's a form of selling, I guess. I'm I'm not a sales expert, but, you know, talking about the benefits of what you offer, that sells itself if it's of value to someone. Yeah, it's really getting clear on what is that person on the other side of the conversation looking for, wanting, and needing to get to their goal. What is their goal? And Mm -hmm. how does, if it does, the service that you have to offer get them there? And you're right. I'm the same way. It's like it took me a couple of years to figure out with sponsorship sales. Interesting you brought that up. To really get clear for myself, what was the value 
for that sponsor. What was it they were going to get out of the program or programs that I was designing and putting in front of them? And once I got connected to that, it was no longer a sell. It really was a conversation that would end in, this is great. This is actually going to work. I am excited that I get an opportunity to help get what you're doing in front of my audience. Absolutely. And it feels completely different. So what about when you get a new, in your case, I'm assuming a new project is going to be a new client, let's just say, to interview in your show. Is there a single thing that you always do before moving forward with that client that sets you up for success? Yeah, I mean, let's go with, um, as you're saying, a, a radio interview. What I do, and actually, you know, I take pride in this, and I'm sure you do the same thing because you're in the business of it now too. So what I do is I do my homework. You know, I show the interview, the guest that I respect the interview. I read the book. I craft my own questions. I understand the person's work. I don't vend that out to someone else to do because I'm the one that's going to have a conversation with this person. And I can't tell you how many times when we're done, the guest will say to me, that was one of the most intelligent conversations that I've had. It's obvious you read the book. And they appreciate it. And because they appreciate it, they know I'm going to show them in a positive light. I'm going to do the best that I can to respect them and to give them the opportunity to teach and to reach my audience. And because of that, they come back and I get you know, bigger and bigger guests. I'm on everyone's list now. And I'm actually told my show is a big get. You know, it's funny, and I'm sure you can understand this. When you do a show, sometimes you think the only person listening is one of your best friends or, you know, like, and then to be told that somebody's saying something like that, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, it's doing your homework, which is what I really try to do. It's having an action plan of how I want to approach the interview or, you know, even taking it past interviewing, it's how I want to approach whatever task it is that I'm about to take on. And it's just having a list of what I must do to get the job done. I'm a list maker. So it's very important for me to understand what it is I need to do in order to take on that task. Yeah, that's a great idea. And one of the things that I think you probably do as well, just listening to you, you know, is setting aside that time, just making sure you have the time to prepare yourself, prepare your space. And, you know, be ready, be present. But it sounds like when you're doing your interviews, I love that you shared all that. Because when you're doing your interviews, you're, the person doesn't feel like a commodity now. Right. You know, through that, because through that it's level about of relationships. respect. Yeah. Yes, it's about relationship building. Everything in business. And this, if I could say probably one of the most important things I would say to another freelancer is, I call it when people do a hit and run. Don't do hit and runs on people. That's when you meet somebody and you just try to see what you can get out of them or from them and then move on. That's not going to give you any type of lasting growth or success. You want to build relationships. You want to cultivate win-win situations. How do you win? How does the other person win? And that is when, you know, it's those relationships then when someone will say, hey, you need to give Emily a call for this. It's when they're not afraid to refer you out. And that's how you grow. And people say you got to stay front and center all the time. And I do understand that to some degree. But those of us that create these relationships like you're talking about, I know you're there. I remember this conversation. I remember the conversation we had a week and a half ago because it was an amazing conversation. It was real. You know, you touched a part of me and maybe I touched a part of you also. And it just sits there. And I love that. I don't forget those people. People can pick up if you're authentic or not. 
they can pick up if you're self-centered or not. I want to share an interesting story. This happened to me yesterday, and it totally blew my mind. Someone that I've known since college, this person, we were both at a book launch party not too long ago, and he introduced me to a lawyer friend there. And all he said was, you know, Joan, this is so-and-so, so-and-so, this is Joan. And so yesterday, I reached out to him and I said, what is you know, this gentleman's, the attorney's phone number, I want to give him a call. Well, my friend said to me, basically, I made the connection. What's in it for me? I need to figure out ways to monetize introducing people. And I've never had anyone in my life ever say something like that to me. Like, you know, I met you through a a dear friend, a a colleague of both of ours, Elaine, Elaine Pofelt. That would be like Elaine saying, I introduced you to Emily. You have to pay me something for that. I can't even imagine doing that in business. That is not a relationship builder. That is a relationship breaker because now I'm looking at this person in a totally different light without any respect anymore because it's just, you know, I've never had someone say, pay me for just introducing you to this person. I've never had that happen. So to build relationship, you know, I'm not saying give away everything you have, but I don't know. There just has to be something of a willingness to make it work for everyone involved, not just see what's in it for you. Yeah. And to me, what I hear, if you're going back to the whole concept of relationship is Mm -hmm. if you truly have a relationship, it's not going to be difficult to have those conversations because I've done this in my career. And I think it's different than what you're talking about. You know, I have people that reach out to me specifically to find a specific freelance talent. So in those cases, I go and I get two or three people. And then we do have that conversation of, okay, this is a referral. So it's not, it's different, right? It's not that it's, I'm just introducing you to somebody. Yeah, that's your business. That's a different thing. This is just, you know, we're at a cocktail party and you're like, hey, Joan, meet Elaine. Elaine, this is Joan. And then everybody walks away. And then I decide to give Elaine a call and you're like, well, what's in it for me? That's, I don't know, maybe it's me. No, it's not. But I just think... (laughs) Yeah, you know, if somebody says to me, hey, I'm looking for a great resource for freelancers, I would certainly say, hey, you have to call Emily. And that's it. Like, that's just, to me, that's how you network. That's business. Yeah. And it's just being upfront and clear if there's any other pieces to the puzzle. You know, I just wanted to bring that up and that there is different introductions. But I love being able to being able to introduce people to potential, you know, so if somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, like you said, Hey, I just, I'm looking for a great graphic designer and I'll just ask them, do you want me to do some research and find what would be a best fit? Or do you just want, you know, a couple of introductions? Oh, just a couple of introductions. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll make those. No problem. I could do it right now. And And that's building relationships right there. You didn't expect anything out of that deal. It was just, let me help you because one day you're going to need help from someone. And I have. (laughs) Right. <laughs> a time or two. Right. You know, we just said a lot, but to boil it down, it's just cultivate relationships out of integrity and really treasure them because that's what's so important to you. It's not, you know, hit and run. Emily, I'm going to meet you. I'm on your show today. And, and, you know, oh, I got this from you and now we're done. That's not how you build a lasting relationship. No, it's not. I agree completely. So the other thing I like to talk to people about, I'm going to switch channels here just a little bit because I'm really curious of what routines you might have in your life that kind of help you keep on track, that help you keep, you know, your energy up and your eyes bright and those kinds of things because we all do it different. But I think a lot of freelance business owners forget to take care of themselves, forget how important it can be to create some 
possibly very simple routines. Mm -hmm. Do you have some that you created? So first on the productivity side, and then we'll get to the personal. On the productivity side, I mentioned earlier, I'm a list maker. And so I create a list for the month of things that I need to get done. And then what I do, and I might take this a little too far, but then I break it down into each week. And then I break it down into each day and I categorize them by things I have to do. So I have to get the radio show done. I have to meet the magazine deadlines. Those are things that are non-negotiable. They must be done. And then I have a list of the things that, you know, I'd like to do. It would be nice to investigate this or to look into this. And so I, by staying organized and by being a visual type of person, with that checklist, it keeps me on task because otherwise I can get a little bit scattered. I could do a lot of different things, pieces of them, but not really accomplish something. So this keeps me on task. I have the opportunity to check it off. So I see that I'm accomplishing things and it helps me stay organized. So that's my productivity ritual to stay on task. Because like I said, I do a magazine. I do a monthly digital magazine 24-7. I do a weekly radio show. I'm doing all of that production work. I'm working with teams to sell all of this. We're doing events. We have the website. There's so much going on. We have charitable work. So I need to stay on task or I will go crazy. On the personal side, to stay healthy and sane, I've learned to incorporate a bit of a meditation practice. So I try to, every morning, sit still. I'm a type A person. It is not easy for me, but I (laughs) I really try to put, yeah, you know, I've interviewed so many people that talk about the science and the benefits of it. So I really try to do that every morning. I try to get up early. I try to sit quiet for a little bit, you know, start my day on a positive note. I try to walk. Because for me, that's a form of meditation because I don't bring music or anything with me. I leave my phone home. So I try to just really unplug. I'm also trying to unplug from my phone at night and on weekends because I was finding that I was getting texting, text messages and calls 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then you Mm -hmm. feel like you have to respond to them. I was checking emails all weekend doing that. And I wasn't giving myself any time to step away because when I step away, I'm very creative. And so I've learned that you just can't work 24-7. You have to give yourself some downtime. And so those are some of the ways I do it. And I spend time with friends and family. So when you have those creative moments, what do you do with those? I know for me, I'll be just like you. I go for a run or I go for a walk or a bike ride and it never fails. I have this really great idea, but I'm in the middle of a trail and I don't have something to do with it. How do you manage those? If I'm near my phone, I'll text myself so that I um, know what it is. But if it's a really good idea, I'll just keep mulling it over in my head till I get back. I'll keep thinking about all the angles to it. There are probably a lot of ideas that I lose just for the reasons that you said, but the really big ones seem to stay with me. Yeah, I can see that. I, you know, I'm sitting here kind of going through in my head all the different times that it's happened and trying to figure out how many did I lose? How many did I keep? But I think you're right. It, the ones that are really good and really strike you, you mull over them and mull over them. And so that by the time you get back to the house, you're ready to, to write. I'm a whiteboard person. So I run to my mm-hmm. whiteboard and I start writing them down. I woke up in the, you know, two o'clock in the morning before with a, a really great idea. And I run into my whiteboard and, and go put, and write it down the next morning. Hope I can read it. But I got to get out of my head or else then I can't sleep. Right. Right. So is there a book? I know you've read a lot of them. So Uh this may be a tough question for you, but could you narrow down like a book, maybe a two, that has really had a huge impact to your business? I would say, I mean, I have a list of them. I've interviewed so many Mm -hmm. people, but I would say The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. 
was a great one for me, Believe It to Achieve It by Brian Tracy. I know you said one or two, but gosh, I have like <laughs> a few more. But of course, the Lane Pofelts, the Million Dollar One Person Business, yeah. One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. I mean, those are some of the, probably the ones that have more of an impact on a business side for me. To, you know, a lot of the ones, for me, for business, the, the biggest obstacle I had was what I would, you know, just, it's my brand. It's getting my head in the game and believing that I could do it. And once I've gotten to that point, everything else seems to fall into place. So what about a book for personal? Because especially for you, I mean, your personal, like you said, is so much a part of everything that you do. It's as important as a business book. Well, you know, interestingly, one of my favorite books is The Four Agreements by Don McAuley. Oh, yes. Because that one really just teaches you about life and, you know, things like don't take things personally, be impeccable with your word. Those are great rules to live your personal and your professional life by because it's so easy to think everything is about you or, you know, fall into that trap. And that's probably one of my favorites, I would say. Yeah, that's a winner. I don't meet many people that haven't read it. And I do, I notice sometimes when I'm in a moment and I'm taking it personal, that book just pops into my head. Don't take this personal. This right. whole conversation starts up in my head. And I'll tell you, I've actually interviewed him twice and he is so authentic. He is just the real deal. He lives his life by what he preaches. He really does. Wow. That's impressive. You know, because a lot of us, we believe it, but we're not always able to walk the walk. So right. maybe one of these days I'll get a, a chance to meet him. I may have to look him up and see where he's speaking. Exactly. Sometime soon. Or you can yeah. tune in on my show. <laughs> I can definitely do that. Yes. I was going to say one other thing. This isn't about a book, but this is something that I've learned because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. And one of the things I've eliminated from my life are excuses. I hear people make up excuses for why they can't do things. And it's a story that they tell themselves. And I pretty much live by the rule if it's something you want badly enough, you'll find a way. Otherwise, you'll find an excuse. If you notice in your life the things you really want to do, you do it no matter what. Come hell or high water, you find the time, the way, the method, you do it. You do it. But if it's something you're not really sure about, you'll find an excuse. So I just want to tell everyone and encourage, eliminate those excuses because number one, they don't serve you well. And number two, Nobody wants to hear them. Nobody cares. If you miss a deadline because of whatever, no one cares. So you have to get your head in the game, believe in yourself, and just eliminate all of those stories that you tell yourself. Man, that's a good one. So how did you go about doing it? Was it, I'm assuming it was a process. I think a lot of it is just the type of person I am. As you could tell, I'm pretty driven. And, on, and here's the interesting thing. I never knew how driven I was until I started doing this work. I was a different person. I was, you know just a caregiver in the home. And I don't say it to belittle that title at all because I was the chief CEO. I ran everything, but I lost myself in that process. And that's the part that I would change. It's not the staying home. It's what I allowed to happen to me. That's the part. So, you know, if you're a stay-at-home person, I'm with you. Go for it because that's great. But just be careful what you allow to have happen to you. But because I'm so driven, I've really always been a no-nonsense type of person. I was never one that made excuses for myself. And so I think I just naturally carried that into my business because it's who I am. But some of the excuses I hear, I mean, it blows my mind because I really think, do you want to be in business or don't you? And so I think it goes back to that C in my change. You need to gain clarity of who you are, what you want, and what your situation is. 
And once you determine what you truly want, then I think everything will fall into place if you do the work. And that's the kicker. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. There's no magic bullet. There isn't. Believe me, I've looked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You've looked for that pill. It doesn't I, exist. Yeah, I did. I've even <laughs> taken a few that I wish I hadn't taken. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? People, I think, too, like I know with my magazine and, and you have sponsorship, they think that if they run an ad or if they sponsor you, they're going to become millionaires and all their prayers are answered. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. You have to do your part. Yeah, you have to bring your A game and you have to be willing to have the conversations, all the things that we've talked about, you know, have the conversations, create the relationships, be all in that day. And I get that we all have stuff going on in the background, but when you're there, for me anyway, and it's about my business, I do, I leave my phone in the car for almost all my meetings and I allow myself, I find the things that I need to remove from the environment so that I'm all in, whether it's a meeting or whether it's going to an event or if I'm putting the time into it, evaluate and respect your own time. How is somebody going to respect you at the time that you're giving them if you're not respecting your own time? Right. And I know what you've achieved in such a short period of time, and you're not an excuse maker. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) That's actually a relief because sometimes I feel like I am. (laughs) So one last question real quick, and we'll wrap this up. I mean, I'm really curious about this. What do you hear when you hear the term financial wellness? You know, I think A lot of this goes back to the way I was raised. My parents were depression babies, and they instilled in me that real conservative way to view money. You only spend what you can afford. You put money away for a rainy day. You don't have debt. You know, it was that whole depression mentality of living within your means. So when I think of financial wellness, for me, that means, you know, being in the block, having cash in the bank, having more coming in then is going out. And that's pretty much what I've been able to do from day one with my business. I've been in the black from the beginning because I've always tried to be creative in how I funded and sold and monetized. And so I have been able to create that. And I really do attribute that back to my grandparents and my parents, what they've instilled in me about money. The answer to that has been all over the board. And, you know, I agree. My fiance is definitely the exact same way. And we have our strife sometimes with what I believe financial wellness is. So it's been interesting to put the pieces together and mesh because sometimes they can be quite different. Mm -hmm. Listen, I think it just comes from your frame of reference, how you're raised and how you're, you know, brought up to view money. Some people are more risk takers than others. And I just happen to be a conservative person. So to me, if I'm financially well, it means that I'm, you know, I'm in the black. I'm in a good place where I don't owe a lot of credit, like I said, have more coming in than going out. Well, thank you so much. You have really shared a lot of wisdom and a lot of courage and power in this interview, and I appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for having me. Hopefully, a nugget in this episode helps some of you out there. Until next time, make sure to subscribe to the show, and thank you for listening. This program has been sponsored by Prudential. Prudential is helping Americans achieve financial wellness. Learn more about Prudential and find customized education and tools for independent workers at prudential.com slash independent worker.